Um, how many of you have ever experienced disappointment? Just raise your hand. It should be every hand. I think all of us have experienced disappointment uh, at some point. When I was in fifth grade, I went to church camp, and it was a, a week-long church camp. And while I was at that camp, I found the love of my life in Brenda Biddle. I just knew that Brenda was going to be the only one for me, that I was going to marry her, and we were going to live happily ever after because she completed me. And I just knew this was going to be it. And so uh, the very last night, she and I were sitting on the same uh, kind of, uh, you know, uh, 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 wooden log, and we snuck away from everybody else and we went away from the counselors and I experienced something in my life that I had never experienced before. And that was my first kiss that wasn't my parents. Because when you're a fifth grade boy, you finally get to the point where you really don't want to, by any means, want to have kisses from your parents or grandparents or cousins, you want to try something different. And I will never forget that first kiss because on the very last night, they fed us tons of watermelon and I hated watermelon and Brenda loved watermelon. And so when our lips came together, I was not thinking, this is amazing. This is wonderful. I thought to myself, ugh, I hate watermelon. And for that next year, we kept writing back and forth to each other by mail. And the entire year, I saved all the coins that I could until I could invite uh, myself back to the camp. And all the money that I got that uh, particular year was to buy her a stuffed animal. And I found out she was going to the exact same camp. This year I'd be in sixth grade and I brought that stuffed animal with me. And I'll never forget she showed up. And Brenda went into the girls' cabin and the boys were allowed to come in. And I walked in and she was by herself and I had this stuffed animal. And I said, this is for you. And she took this stuffed animal and she held it and she was so excited. She's like, oh, yeah, yes, I love it. Thank you so much. And for the next couple of days, we held hands. We were boyfriend and girlfriend. It was heavenly bliss. And then Aaron Shively showed up. Aaron had hair underneath his nose and he had hair under his armpits. I had no hair in either of those places. And the thing was that it became very, very much of a struggle for me because Aaron was a person who had moose in his hairs and he had defined muscles. I'm 51 years old. I still don't have defined muscles. And pretty soon what happened was Brenda was swooned away from my arms and she went into the arms of the evil Aaron, my nemesis. And it was all because of facial hair. And then the day happened. The next day, after we had held hands, I walked into the cabin again, and I looked at her stuffed animal. I like, you like your stuffed animal? She's like, yes, I love my stuffed animal. But I like Aaron more than I like you, and he's my boyfriend now, and you're not. That's all I had to say. And then she walked out. I'll never forget standing in this girl's cabin all by myself, and I was crushed. I was hurt. 
I was disappointed. Up until that point in my life, it was the greatest disappointment I'd ever experienced before. Maybe some of you are sitting here today, and we're so glad that you battled all the cold to get here, but you're disappointed. Maybe you're disappointed because Christmas has changed maybe this year because everyone's not going to be able to get together. There's sickness or, or people are, are kind of locked down or your parents can't get together. But that disappointment will be difficult, but it'll go. But some of you are disappointed today because maybe you've gone through a divorce and now all of a sudden you're doing life differently and the kids might be involved and you're not there. Maybe for others of you, what disappointment that you have today is that you have a rebelling child that has kind of drifted away and has caused all kinds of pain, a pathway of pain for you, and you're disappointed. Maybe you're disappointed because you lost a job or you filed bankruptcy. Maybe you're disappointed because you're single and you're longing for a relationship. Maybe you're disappointed because you're married and the marriage isn't going so great. Maybe you're disappointed because a friend stabbed you in your back. Or maybe today for some of you, you're disappointed because you're experiencing Christmas for the very first time without a loved one. Or you're experiencing Christmas because someone died over the last year or two years or 10 years or 20 years. And you're experiencing Christmas again without that person there. Folks, I don't know what your disappointment is. But the reality is I know we all experience disappointment. Every single one of us does. And when disappointment comes, we begin to start having questions. And sometimes they're troubling questions. They're troubling questions of God. Like, where are you, God? And God, if you are there, then why aren't you stepping into this situation? Why aren't you doing something about what I'm going through right now? Well, the good news is, is that if you've ever experienced disappointment or you're experiencing disappointment this particular Christmas, you are not alone. Because the Christmas story actually begins with disappointment. It begins with this feeling of disappointment of this teenage couple that comes together and they're disappointed greatly. And Mary and Joseph understands what disappointment looks like and what we struggle with. In Matthew chapter 1, which is the first book of the New Testament, the second half of the Bible, in verse 18 we read, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. In other words, folks, they're engaged. And engagement meant something very different in Mary and Joseph's day than what it means in our day. Today, if we get engaged with someone and we think to ourselves, well, if it doesn't work out, I can still turn the ring back in. You know, like I can get the money back. If the engagement doesn't work, I'm not out too much. It doesn't bind you to anything. But in Mary and Joseph's day, when you first became engaged, there was a legally binding document that was signed by both families and you were committed to that marriage. And the ceremony later on was just a formality. And so in the eyes of everyone, Mary and Joseph are married. Then the story goes on. But before they came together, in other words, before they consummated the marriage, Mary was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And here, folks, is where the disappointment begins. Pregnant by the Holy Spirit? Can you imagine the first time Joseph ever hearing that? Like, oh, great. 
wonderful, I'm so glad. No. He's like, you messed up. And you cheated on me. And you crushed me. And I'm disappointed. And now he can't trust Mary. And he's trying to think, how can I get out of this? And this was who I was going to be with forever. But you walked out. You did something. You took what was supposed to be just ours. And now I'm disappointed. Disappointed to the max. But not just with you. I'm actually disappointed with God, too. Because sometimes in our disappointment, it doesn't just stay with what's going on in our lives, but we're disappointed with God. And the story continues on. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, let's think about Mary. Here is this teenage girl. Most biblical scholars think she's 13, 14, maybe 15. And her life now is turned upside down. You see, folks, she's like, I'm doing everything that you want me to do, God. She's honored God and what God's asked her to do. And the reality is, is that now her life is going to be turned totally upside down. And now this marriage that they've been in, and it seems like everything was going to be great. Now it's, she's going to be publicly humiliated and shamed. She will be placed in front of the village elders, and they will determine what goes forward for her. They'll decide. Did you commit adultery? What happened? Her life might actually be taken away from her and the baby that she's carrying as well. This is dire circumstances. And I'm sure she's looking up, and she's like, where are you, God? Where are you? Well, you asked me to follow you and do, and, and I've done everything you've asked me to do, and yet now this is what's going on. And Joseph, that's the greatest pain that I have. The man that I love, the man that I want to spend the rest of my life with, he wants nothing to do with me. Uh, it, it will never be prepared, God. It'll never get taken care of. We will never make reparations for this. And there's this real, real sense that Joseph and Mary, they're disappointed with each other, but even more so, they're disappointed with God. We tried to honor you, we tried to do the right thing, and this is what happened. I mean, they're wrecked, and they see no hope at all. Maybe you're there today. You're carrying some disappointment right now in your life, and you see no hope at all. You're wondering to yourself, will this hopeless feeling that I have ever move forward? Well, this is where Mary and Joseph were at. They're at a place of disappointment, and they don't know if God's going to make it change at all because they're disappointed with him. And now they ask the question, now what? Now what? And scripture says this, but after Joseph had considered this, that he was thinking about divorcing her, it says, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. That's what Jesus means, one who saves. 
And here in the middle of Mary and Joseph's greatest disappointment, God does something that they were not expecting, that they did not plan. He was still working in the midst of their pain and their hurt and everything that was going on in their life. They just couldn't see it. And out of what seemed like would be a life-changing disappointment, God turned it upside down and he brought into the world the Savior of the world. So when you're disappointed by God and you don't understand why you're going through, what it is that you're going through, remember this Christmas truth. And this is the only thing you have to write down or put into your phone today. And it's this. Your disappointment with God might actually be a divine appointment from God. Your disappointment with God may actually be a divine appointment from God. Folks, there's going to be some times in your life, and you've already experienced it, where you're going to have disappointment. Either you created it yourself, or it just happens. And I promise you that in the midst of that, you'll begin to start wondering, where are you, God, in the midst of this? And yet, your disappointment with God may actually be a divine appointment from God. In your disappointment, what often happens, have you noticed this, is that God actually shows up and he's present with you and he's for you and he walks with you through it all. And he gives us a hope that's beyond what we can believe. Because God is still working. He is still doing something even in the midst of our disappointment. Let me tell you a story that's kind of insignificant now, but um, at the time, it was like this huge disappointment in my life. It felt like the weight of the world had kind of just hit my life. In college, uh, I was trained as a social studies teacher for middle school and high school. And after I got to kind of the last semester, uh, I started applying for all of these schools in the Midwest to actually uh, get a teaching job. And I sent out dozens and dozens and dozens of different resumes. And my whole thought was, I'll get a teaching job. And then this girl that I was dating at the time, Jennifer Terry, I would actually propose to her and see if she would marry me. And so I did all this work, I put out all of these resumes, and in the midst of all of this, crickets. Absolute crickets. Not a phone call, not a letter. Uh, This was long before text, so there was no texting, there was nothing. And I went through this entire time not hearing from anyone at all, and I was so discouraged. And I'm living with my parents And it's the summer after I've graduated, and it gets to about the middle of August when all of a sudden a phone call comes to me. And I get a phone call from the principal of Carmel Clay Middle School, and I'm thinking to myself, this is a great job. Carmel, Indiana, this is going to be awesome. They were one of the highest paying teaching uh, communities at that time. And so, hey, I'm going to get this job. And so I was confident. I went in. Every single question they asked me, I mean, it was just like a home run. Bam! 
You know, Grand Slam, every single question they gave to me, I just hit it out of the park. And I remember the principal at the end of the interview shaking my hand. He goes, well, I'm, I'm sure we'll be calling you tonight. And I'm thinking to myself, this is awesome. This is great, man. This is it. This was not what I had planned. This was not what I had planned, but maybe it's going to work. And so that evening, I remember I went back to my parents' house, and we didn't have cell phones in those days. Uh, For those of you that are under 25, there's actually this thing called a a phone, a home phone. It goes into a wall, and then it goes to other people's places. And it's all by wire and all this kind of stuff. And that's all we had in 1993. And I had this phone. I told my parents, no one's going to talk to anybody tonight. And the phone would ring, and my dad's a pastor, and be like, I'm, I'm, I'm in the hospital, and I'm sick. Too bad. Get over it. Bang. You know, whatever it was, whatever the excuse, don't call this house, because we're waiting on this. And I looked, and I looked, and I looked, and I just stared at this phone for hours. I'll never forget. It was a yellow phone for hours. And 9 o'clock comes. I still don't have any call. And finally, 9.30 gets to the point, and a little bit after 9.30. And at that point, the phone rings. And I'm thinking at that point, it's my girlfriend, Jennifer Terry, at that time. And I'm like, she's probably going to comfort me. I don't need comfort. I need a call from the principal. And I picked up the phone. I was like, hey, it's Chris Punch. I'm like, oh, it's principal. And he went on to tell me his name. He's like, hey, I just wanted to let you know. It was awesome. It was such a good interview. And we wanted to hire you, but our entire department is full of males and we need a female. And so we're not going to hire you for this. And uh, we'll keep you in mind for anything in the future. Click. Folks, this is not what I had planned. And I was disappointed to the max. This was my ticket. This was going to be my life. And it felt like it was totally over. I remember walking out of my parents' house, and uh, they lived in Anderson, Indiana. Lapel, Indiana is about seven miles away. There's a, a high highway there called State Road 32. I got on it. I just started walking. It's seven miles. I walked all the way there by myself, and I was angry, and I was upset, and I was disappointed. This is not what I had planned. This wasn't what I had planned. And I kept walking and walking and walking and start asking God, like, where are you, God? Where are you in the midst of this? And if you are in the middle of this, I just spent these four years doing all of this for, to become a teacher, and now I don't even have this job. I do not get it. I do not understand. And I walked the seven miles back, and then for the next four months, I lived with my parents. I had no job was working partially as a part-time person, and I was so disappointed. This was not what I had planned. But during that time, I kept trying to ask God, God, give another teaching job, and I would apply for other things, and I started substitute teaching. I did some other things, and I just kept asking. And then one day, the Spirit of God came to me, not audibly in my ears, but just in my whisper, uh, a whisper from God that simply said, Chris, you're going to be a teacher, but not in the public school. You're going to be a teacher for me. And I was like, what? It was this sense of like, I want you to be a pastor. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. My dad was a pastor. We were so poor. We put the 
You know, there was no O-R, it was just Poe. That's how Poe we were. 